Hallelujah. Are we on this morning? How about it? Yeah, there I am. Awesome. Hey, this morning, did everyone get sermon notes as you were coming in? Did you get your sermon notes? Today would be one of those days. Normally, I'm kind of a, a prophetic, shoot-from-the-hip preacher. Today, I'm going to endeavor, by the grace of God, to teach you a principle from God's Word that could profoundly impact the way that you live the rest of your days, but I need to teach it to you. And so I'm going to take off the prophet hat for a moment and put on the teacher hat for a moment. And you should get the notes. Uh, in, in youth, we do, we do pretty notes, you know, for this lesson. Uh, you know, there's eyeballs and all kinds of stuff. And we, we made them less pretty and very practical for you this morning. Um, but I'm going to teach you something. Um, and, um, and I believe that it was uh, really just sent from the Lord. Now, it's going to be, you're going to have to just kind of process and think this morning, uh, which, uh, you know, it reminded me of a story that I heard about a pastor. Uh, this, this pastor was shaking hands at the door at the end of his sermon. And, uh, one of his regulars came up to him and said, pastor, you know, you are smarter than Einstein. He just kept going and he says, well, bless you brother, which is a good Christian answer for, I have no idea what that means. And it kind of troubled him for the rest of the week. He said, why did the guy say I'm smarter than Einstein? And, uh, and the next week he said, you know, I'm going to ask him. And so he just went up to him and he said, he said, Hey, uh, you know, last week you said that I was uh, smarter than Einstein. And I really appreciate that. Appreciate you saying that. But, uh, what did you mean by that? And then he said, well, well, pastor, um, uh, it was said that there were only 10 people on the planet who could understand Einstein. He goes, and nobody last week understood a word you said. So I'm going to try to be a little dumber than Einstein today. And, uh, but we are going to cause you to think. And I would say to you this morning, get your notes and write down. Do some things that are going to invest not only into this morning and what God has for you, uh, but what he will invest uh, quite possibly for the rest of your life. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just give you glory. We just give you honor. We just give you praise for who you are. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you sent the Holy Spirit to us that you might continually, on a daily basis, speak to us. And Father, I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this place. Lord, I'm praying this morning for all of us to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you're speaking to us. Father, I pray every lie that we have believed about ourselves, Lord, would be pulled down. Every obstacle, self-imposed, Lord, or circumstantially imposed on our lives, God, would be pulled down in the grace of your presence. I ask you now, Lord, uh, Lord, to take every word that I'm offering here. Lord, I don't want to say anything that you're not saying. And so we, I say, Holy Spirit, divinely use me this morning. I offer myself to you, Lord, and I pray the words that you want Every person to hear, you would speak to them. Holy Spirit, be the loudest voice in this house. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor um, asked me to be sharing on this Sunday. Knew that he'd be coming back from Cuba and, and kind of, you know, transitioning and recovering uh, from the ministry that they were doing there. And begin to pray 
about what to share, and there's really two things in my heart. Uh, one of them right now, uh, just, just, to, just to give you kind of a glimpse into my personal walk with the Lord, I am in the middle of a faith walk again. Uh, and, and some of you in the house will understand that, and others will go, well, what does that mean? Uh, it means where I'm actually daring to believe God for things that are way bigger than me. And, and, and we're beginning to see it. And I'm, I'm beginning to hear the Lord teach me personally about faith again. Uh, and and uh, the power of actually believing that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, it, it's powerful. He's probably speaking to a few of you in here too about faith. It's amazing and it probably could... could uh, could speak a message on faith, but the Lord confirmed something last week in the beginning of second service through something that Pastor Steve Mayanja did, because I was actually holding on to this lesson, because uh, I felt an unction to preach what I'm going to share with you, or really teach what I'm going to share with you today. But I, I, was, I was just kind of saying, Lord, just make it clear to me, well, if you didn't know this, Pastor Steve Mayanja preached a different message in second service than he did in first. So, yeah, and I think he did it for me. So, uh, so, but you should listen to it anyway. Go online and listen to it. It's an amazing message. It totally, totally changed. He even addressed me, and he said, he says, Pastor is wondering where I'm going. Because he said, now let's go to Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to begin there today as I teach you a lesson called Vision, I See Me. Vision. I see me. Acts chapter 9 is where Pastor Steve Mayan just started off the service. Um, and it's the story of the Apostle Paul's conversion. You can turn there quickly. It's, not, it's really kind of our, our leaping off place today. Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 3. It's amazing. It says, and as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice. Everybody said, he, say, he heard a voice. <laughs> saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he said, trembling and astonished, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I love this. The first moment when Saul encounters Jesus in a real way, when he calls him Lord, I think that's the fastest conversion in the entire Bible. A light shines and immediately he calls Jesus Lord. Then he says, the first question is, what do you want me to do? And then, he, then Jesus says this very specifically. He says, arise and go to the city and I will show you what you must do. 
You know, uh, if there's ever a question that I've stumbled upon in now 15 years of full-time youth ministry, whether it's speaking at conferences or speaking at camps, everybody kind of wants to pull on the, the prophetic uh, unction that's in me sometimes, and they just want to come up to me and say, just lay your hands on me, tell me what to do. Come on, tell me, what's God want me to do? I'm like, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. They say, what do you mean it doesn't work that way? You're, you're missing the whole point. He wants to tell you what to do. Occasionally, God will speak through people, but mostly assignments are released directly to people. They're released directly to you from Him. And all of us need to get a vision from God. All of us need to get a vision from God about what we are supposed to be doing in this life. All of us. All of us. Most of you say, well, you know, you're a pastor, so you can really hear God. You know, or you're, pro- you're prophetic. Or, man, pastor's an evangelist. You guys can hear God. Listen, you need to achieve one status to be able to hear from God. You know what that is? Sheep. Sheep status. It's a real high office in the kingdom. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets sheep status. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. Matter of fact, a stranger's voice they'll run away from. I hear young people all of the time. I can't hear God. I always check sheep status first. Are you his? I'm going to ask you that question today. Are you his? Are you his? Then you have been made to hear him. And then we just need to address some symptoms. You can hear God. You're made to hear from God. And so this whole lesson means nothing if you can't hear from God. But if you can't hear from God, we're just going to get you into the fold. Because he's after you. And I've come to be a really loud voice to say, he's after your heart. He wants you. And if you give him your life, you'll hear him. Just like Paul did in this moment. Jesus said, arise and go and you will be told what you must do. We all need vision from God for our lives. Vision is one of the most powerful things. Uh, we taught this in discipleship. And Heather, when she was a lot younger, she, she did this uh, years ago. And uh, in our, we used to have an intense discipleship class called, called The Climb. And we had them do this process. And, and honestly, in my desk, there are vision statements written by, I mean, God love them, really goofy teenagers who really love God uh, and did this process. And have some of them have lived it out to the T because they did this process. And if a teenager can do it, you can do it. All you have to do is be a sheep. And so we all need vision. Now, now I'm going to share with you a very common verse, but you're going to see it from two different translations. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Now listen, that is, that is an actual 
Uh, that should be one of the scariest verses in the Bible to all believers. That if there is not vision in your life, and you'll understand what vision is in, in just a moment, this, this word in Hebrew actually means a prophetic voice. A sense that God has spoken directly to you. It says, where there is no vision, those people perish. But happy is he that keeps the law. Well, what does that mean? The law was actually God's word to his people. He was speaking directly to him. By the way, this is still God's word to you. And you're going to hear a lot more about that in just a few moments. We need it. We need God's word. He speaks directly to us. Now listen to it. Proverbs 29 from the NIV. It says this. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now listen, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic insight, people cast off restraint. The, the picture of that word restraint is a bridle in the horse's mouth. That means that if you have ever seen a horse running wherever it wants to go, that is a picture of a human being without the voice of God speaking directly to them about who they should be and where they should be going. How many of you understand that when you understand that picture, you're like, oh, wow, I think I need some vision in my life. I need God's vision in my life. I love what it says here, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Blessed, it means fortunate. It does mean blessed. It also means this, to be envied. You know what that means? There are very few people in the earth living by vision. There are very few people in the earth living by vision. Well, what is vision? Vision is simply this. You can fill in the blanks. It is a picture revealed to the mind or spirit by the Holy Spirit. An overarching sense of direction. A vision is a picture revealed to the mind or spirit by the Holy Spirit, an overarching sense of direction. I'm going to make some statements to you, and believe me, go search the Scriptures and allow God to open your eyes, and you'll see that this is the absolute truth. When people do not have vision, they're carried by a current called normal. When people don't have vision, they are carried by a current called normal. You know, it's just normal, everyday life. It's just life. Things happen. And when people don't have a sense of direction that's coming from God to them, they just go with the flow. They just go whatever way normal carries them. They'll listen to any voice, any suggestion. They'll flow in a current called normal. And I want to say to you, vision stands in stark contrast of normal. Let me tell you what normal is producing in the church. 
It's estimated, it's estimated that very soon the young generation will be like 4% believers. That's what normal is producing. You know, the American dream gospel. Get the great education, and you should. Follow your dreams if they're God's. Get the great house, the great cars, do all of that. Oh, and be a good church person. That's what normal says in America. It doesn't say follow God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And live passionately for Him all of your days. And live according to what He says. And what He speaks to you directly. Live out of that place. It doesn't say that at all. It says just be normal. Just be normal. Vision is the engine that will propel you against the current of culture. Culture is trying to tell our kids what's normal. Culture is trying to tell you what's normal. This is normal. God's word establishes normal for believers. God's word establishes normal for believers. And I want you to see the importance of vision here today. I want to give you these statements. A couple more. When we see what God sees, we can be what God sees. When we see what God sees, we can be what God sees. If you never get a revelation of what God sees about you, you'll never Try to even become that. But when a person receives vision from heaven, that's exactly what takes place. When you see what God sees, we can be what God sees. That not only has a personal application, but it has a corporate application as well. I want to make this final statement before we kind of walk through what it looks like. Vision fuels who you are. There was one time uh, I was up with uh, Pastor Rob Russo and I was in this, um, uh, I, I mean, it was way too cold for a Florida boy to be in upstate New York in November. And we were out on the street well after dark and it was cold. Cold. But I knew we were supposed to be there. We brought a team. We're coming to minister. And we had said, you know, we feel like we're just supposed to go out on the streets, which is, a, which is silly because it was like 20 degrees. Nobody's on the street. Didn't make any sense. And there's Oneonta, New York. And you know, it's, not a, it's a college town, and college happened to be out. And, and so when we hear go down to the street, it didn't make any sense. So we took a few of us down to the street, and we're walking around, and there were three people. A witch and two warlocks. And I just started, I mean, we just started preaching the gospel to him. And I could see in this, in this witch, her eyes, something started to shift. And she began to hear the gospel. And this warlock steps in, like into my face, like steps in as I'm ministering to this girl. And says, he says to me, why are you here? And I, I mean, it just came out of me. I was born for this. 
And, and he stepped out of the way. It was awesome. It was awesome. And we prayed for her, and he, he really didn't want anything to do with us. But we were able to pray and minister to her and, and, and minister to the other, the other one. He was way, way more open than the, the guy who had kind of gotten in my face. But I could not have said that without a revelation that I was in the middle of an overarching sense of direction as a call on my life. How could I say that with such confidence? Because vision fuels who you are. It will be the fuel that carries you into God's destiny that he has for you. Now, I believe vision actually feeds everything that we should be doing in life. Everything. Everything. You say everything? Just everything. Now, the way this looks on my notes, it looks like an upside-down triangle. You're going to see it down your page. But vision, very simply, is your understanding, this is what feeds everything, of who God wants you to be and what He wants you to do. Vision is your understanding of who God wants you to be and what He wants you to do. And out of that, out of receiving vision from heaven, comes something called values. These are the things that flow out of a person's life who's had a deep connection with God, who's heard those words, arise and go, and I'll show you what you must do. These values, they flow out of you. They're naturally part of who you are. They become like your, your, your spiritual DNA. They are the things which are most passionate in your life the things that you're most passionate about they're most important if you were to just come and just take a glance at at the way we do first fridays and the way that we do ministry in 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 our youth you would you would find out quickly that we're passionate about the presence of god very passionate about hosting his presence because more, uh, I believe in relational evangelism. Believe me, I have relationships with a lot of students all over this county. But I got to tell you, there is nothing that changes a young person's life like the presence of God. Nothing like it. So we're really passionate about the presence. We're passionate about discipling. Because why? God says, hey, go make disciples of all nations. We do small groups. We have, I mean, it, I mean you try to put a bunch of middle school boys into a room with each other and talk about the world, word. I mean, it's like herding cats, okay? It's like, man, Alex uh, helps me out in, in, in that arena, and I'm, I'm with the high schoolers. You know, they're a little easier to kind of get, get together. Um, but, um, you know, when you, you, you go to those places, you'll, you'll see that discipling them, is, we're really passionate about it. We want them to grow. We want to have deep, deep roots in their faith in God. So those values just flow out of you. And maybe some of you could begin to, maybe if you've ever had a vision from God come into your life, those values will start to flow out of you. It's those things that you're most passionate about. And then what we do is we write a vision statement. We actually... Write a, a vision statement. It becomes the written banks of your life. 
I love this part. It helps you say no, and it helps you say yes. Anybody in here, anybody ever have trouble telling people no? Because we kind of got this thing in our mind that it's just a good Christian thing to do to always say yes. Mm-mm. No, not when you have a vision from heaven. When you have vision for your life, you can know exactly what to say yes to and what to say no to. There was this one, I mean, I, I bet, I bet she, was, she was probably thought that she was one of the uh, most Jesus-motivated people in our church a few years ago, and I had the good privilege of preaching on a Sunday morning, and uh, she walked up to me after the service, and um, and she says, she goes, I feel like the Lord's saying something to me. And I was like, uh, Yeah, what is what, what what what's that? She goes, I, I, she goes, Have you ever thought about being a politician? I thought she was going to ask me, have you ever had negative thoughts about politicians? <laughs> We're going to have a little confession moment. Uh, no, but yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I think, I think the Lord's showing me that you're going to be a politician. I said, ma'am, you are wrong. I didn't even do the, you know, the good, kind Christian. I said, ma'am, you are so off. I said, you have totally missed it, which is exactly what you need to do when somebody tries to give you some cross-eyed word from hell. You need to reject it. I'm like, I am not a politician. I know exactly who I am. You know why? Because God, by his grace, took me through this, and I started writing some stuff down. Started writing down what God had revealed to me about me. Politician wasn't in there anywhere. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'll stand with some holy politicians, uh, but I, 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 that's, that's somebody else's calling. Helps you say no, helps you say yes. And then we get down to goals. I love this. Goals are tangible and measurable and vision-based. I want you to notice that I believe in God's system, goals come forth, not first. Goals come forth, not first. And, and listen, for a long time, I heard it my whole life, just make a goal, make a goal. Well, if, if you are living a, a very kind of just fleshly carnal life, it's a good idea. You can make a plan and kind of keep it. And that's awesome. Uh, unless God has control of your life and then you need a vision from heaven. And then you need to allow his heart to flow out of you and his values to flow out of you. And then you need to write it down. And then you need to write goals based upon the vision. And that includes jobs, that includes family, that includes a lot of things. But goals aren't first, they're like fourth. But you should make them. But they should be vision-based. When you have your goals before you, are they flowing from vision? And then lastly... um, What I say is a vision-led life and how it looks is this idea of tasks. These are the everydays. They're the everyday commitments that build vision. Now, when God spoke to me about, uh, you know, being a part 
of, of youth. I got into youth for a very selfish reason. I heard the, the word of the Lord. It says, the next major move of God in America is coming through young people. I said, sign me up. That's where I want to be. I want to be on the front lines of where you're moving. Get me in there. And so I, it was a very selfish reason. And, um, and so God began to show me pictures of what it looked like. Students coming to the Lord in massive. I mean, it was awesome. When we got here um, 15 years ago was when we took a full-time position. I was involved in youth ministry with Pastor Mike down in Cape Coral and even before that in some other places, uh, teaching and doing some discipleship and uh, was working full-time in retail management. And, but God began to reveal these pictures. And, you know, when I got here, you know, it didn't look like the picture. When, when I got here, there were six young people. Randy smiling because he was on the board. Six young people. I was like, ooh, I didn't see that. And there wasn't no help. Steve, well, now that I take that right, Pastor Steve and Lorna were running the youth ministry and decided to come alongside. They had little kids at the time, and I guess they had a long time, uh, you, know, uh, you know, had vision for their kids. And so they said, you know what, we're going to help you. But uh, I can remember what it looked like in those early days. We had these awesome maroon chairs over next door, and we had a stage in the court that building looks tremendous now by the way when we got here it was it was it was a fellowship hall and i had this little had this little rounded stage in the corner and um i i never forget it and i was i was really honestly really thankful but when god taught me this lesson about how tasks fuel vision he taught me when i was putting out chairs for young people just alone by myself, unstacking maroon chairs on a Wednesday night. And I had done it for a few weeks. And I'm just stacking chairs. And I'm unstacking the chair. And I remember putting one down one day, thinking to myself, I didn't see this part. I didn't see the stacking chairs part. And immediately God spoke to me. He says, any task that facilitates the vision, do it. Any task that facilitates the vision I gave you, do it. And so we had six. I put out 15 chairs. I'm like, come on, Jesus, fill them up. We're looking for a double, you know. I'm like, God, come on, 15. You know, and then we saw God increase and, and do a lot of things in, in, in the youth ministry. But what I want to tell you is, is oftentimes when you're in your everydays, it doesn't look like the thing that God revealed. But if you can see how God connects your everydays to your vision, you'll do it with joy. You'll do it with joy. It's not just stacking chairs. It's making a place in God's presence for the next generation. Mm. Wow. So tasks are your everyday commitments that build the... Build the vision, and often they don't look like the vision because in the vision we often see the finished product. Well, you're probably asking, you know, you gave me this whole thing of how a vision led life. Well, how do, you, how do you receive it? If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 2, and we're going to go quickly through this. Habakkuk chapter 2, it's in the Minor Prophets in the Old Testament, and if you don't have 
If you don't um, have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. I love this. I absolutely love this. Habakkuk chapter 2. Just a little clue about this book. Um, This book is a little bit different than other prophetic books. Because it's not what Habakkuk, it's not about what Habakkuk would declare to the nation. It's what Habakkuk was declaring to God about the nation. And he was upset until he got God's answer. And he didn't like God's answer. And then he started praying the other way and he kind of backtracked. So read the whole book. It's awesome. It's like a, it's like a glimpse into a prophet's prayer life and how it affects other people. But so, Habakkuk chapter 2, this is how he received vision. Listen, he said this, starting in verse 1, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart part and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. I love this. God tells him what to do with a vision after this. This is the one that you probably heard a lot about. It says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may, he, he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Some of you need to hang on to that. I'm going to talk to you about this process of giving and receiving vision. I love what this says. God says, Though it lingers, I love it in the NIV, though it lingers, it will not linger. That's what it says. Though it lingers, it will not linger. Basically, God is saying, it will come to pass. A vision for your life will come to pass. Senior saints in here, let me talk to you for just one moment. If you have ever been a person who's received something from God, could have been 40 years ago, wait for it. Though it linger, it will not linger. It will come to pass. You say, I don't know, I think my day's gone past. Well, listen, all you got to do is start reading the Bible. Start reading about Caleb. Caleb, who gets a word from the Lord, I'm giving you this mountain. He's probably 40. And at 85, 85, he said, I've had a vision from God, and that mountain is mine, and I am well able to take it. Though it linger, wait for it. We'll say that was just one guy. No. What about Abraham? That brother was a hundred. He had faith. Counted his body as dead, but he said, man, the the one who gave me the promise, he is faithful. Hundred years old. Come on. Well watered. 
I'm telling you, waited how long? 25 years. Waiting 25 years, even messed up halfway through trying to make it happen on his own. Which is why we got all this fighting and bombing in Paris right now. Wait for it, it's going to come to pass. Now listen, so how do you receive a vision for your life? This is really, really important. Number one, make a personal commitment. The first step is to say, I will. I want you to notice what Habakkuk said. I will stand my watch. I want to just tell you something. You're on your watch right now. You're here, Acts 17, said God pre-appointed the times in which you should live and the boundaries of your dwelling so that you might seek after him, reach for him even though he's not far from you. You have to make a personal commitment and say, I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch. I have to go and stand before the Lord. You want a vision from heaven? Stand your watch. Stand your watch. Stand before God and say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to do it. Now listen, some people will walk out of here today and say, I'm not going to do it. This won't work for you. But if you say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be a person driven by the vision of heaven for my life, you're going to have to just make up in your mind, I've got a personal commitment. God, I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to come and I'm going to look to you. I'm going to come and seek heaven about what you want to do in me. You're never too old to do it. Matter of fact, if God gave you a vision years ago, your life is declared a walk on a path. By the way, if you're 40 years down that road, you couldn't see 40 years down the road. You might need to go and revisit vision again. Just saying. The next thing he says is that you have to do, the second thing is you have to position yourself. He says, I'm going to set myself on the rampart. I'm going to set myself on the rampart. The rampart was the highest part on the wall. A watchman would go and stand on that highest place watching for enemies should they try to come. Or watching for messengers that they would allow into the city. He said, I will set myself on the rampart. You've got to position yourself. Remember what God said to Paul? Arise and go to the city. And I will tell you what you must do. Wait a minute. Why couldn't he just get it right there? I don't know why he couldn't get it right there. But evidently, Paul needed to go to the city. So, Aninius, as Pastor Steve would say, would get a word from the Lord, his exact address, by the way. He got his exact address from the Lord and went there and healed him of blindness and saw Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, you're going to have to get alone with God and God will always meet you in the secret place. Matthew 6, 6 says it this way. 
But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Look at this. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. If you ever feel like I can't find God, mostly it's probably because you're filling your ears with other frequencies and you need to get away from people and get in the secret place. God is not hiding from you. You want to get a vision from God? Get in the secret place. And begin to pray and seek his face. God will meet you there. Don't make an agreement in your heart that says God doesn't talk to me. You are telling God the scriptures aren't true. You're standing in stark opposition to scriptures that say, my sheep hear my voice. By the way, Psalm 139 says, how vast are the sum that he thinks towards you. If you were to try to number them, they would outnumber the sand on the seashore. God has all kinds of thoughts going on about you. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach. Probably in Florida. But if you go to the beach, I dare you. Just try to get one grain of sand on the beach. Just one. Just get one. You can't. Check your car after you leave the beach. You need to think. Instead of just complaining about what's going on, you need to get back in your car and go, man, God's thinking about me. Gosh. He is thinking about me. He's thinking about you and he wants to speak to you. The third thing is this. You got to look to see what he will say. You got to look and listen. I love this scripture. You got to look to see what he will say. That doesn't match up with the senses. Look to see what he will say. Why didn't he say, and listen to hear what he will say? Because vision always comes as a picture. And the picture tells a story. That you need to listen to about you. Vision comes as a picture. God speaks through his word and by his spirit. And by the way, he loves to use people as his voice. You want to know what God's voice sounds like? Right here. Some of you aren't able to discern God's voice. Because you haven't just gotten familiar with what his voice sounds like. Just hear this as the word of the Lord. Just start reading anywhere. Just, just get in there, get in the book. Let's start reading the word. And let's get more familiar with his voice and then watch how much you find out he's actually speaking to you. You gotta look and listen. When you're on the rampart, get in the word. Get into the place of prayer. Don't try to do this walk apart from the word. Don't make it up in your mind. Don't use an example of someone that you see at church. Use the mirror of God's word to lead you and to guide you and direct you. Look and listen. Look to see what he will say. And the fourth thing is this. He says this. You have to align your heart. You want vision for your life? Habakkuk said, what I will answer when I'm corrected. He's going to give me a vision and I know I'm going to have to align my heart with it. Most of the time when vision comes, it shifts us. It shifts us. Here's what I mean. Not everybody has this call, so I'm not trying to to put this on your life. 
But when John the Baptist came into the world, no wine. None. Wear camel's hair. Don't touch anything dead. He lived as a Nazarite. No funerals. He had to align his heart with his calling. If you were to just look around, if John the Baptist were to just look around, he would say, they're drinking. Why can't I? They're drinking what? They get to go and mourn at funerals. Why don't I? Align your heart with whatever God says to you. You're probably going to have to shift some things. You're probably going to have to make some adjustments. Make the adjustments. God is good and wants to bless you and bless the people around you. So here's the final question. Who do I want to be before God? And how do I become that person? Who do I want to be before God and how do I become that person? You do this process. You say, is this all about vision? Really? Vision is the byproduct. I want you to live this process for the rest of your life. This isn't a one-time deal. This is an everyday I want you every day before him. I want you every day standing on your watch, positioning yourself, looking to see what he will say, aligning your heart with whatever he says to you every single day. The point really isn't even the vision. The vision is amazing. The point is the process. How do you become the person that God wants you to be? Give yourself to this process. There's three very practical things that vision-driven people Vision-driven Christians do. Hey, number one, they say, how much of the word am I going to make room for? What's my daily Bible reading going to look like today, tomorrow? What's it going to look like? Not legalism, but having something out there that says I'm going to ever be before your word because I cherish it. What's my personal prayer life going to look like? How do I become the person God wants me to be? I live in constant communion with Him. Listen, for all of you who love smartphones, and I love them, I got this gigantic one here. There, there, there's, a, there's a brand new app called Give Him 15. Give Him 15. If you've got a smartphone, go, go download it. It's connected to Dutch Sheets, who wrote the book on intercessory prayer. It will help you pray every single day, 15 minutes. It'll even send you little notifications if you want. As reminders, how much are you going to, are you going to pray? The last thing is, is you've got to prioritize your spiritual development. And I'm going to say things, you know, as, as a youth pastor that you could, you could probably try to marginalize, but here's what I mean by that. Church is important. Church is important. And I'm going to say something with the most grace I can take it from a youth pastor It's more important than what's going on on the ball field. It's more important than what's happening. You know, right now, for me personally, I would love to be hunting this morning. But I love this more. 
I would love to be fishing this morning, but I love this more. You've got to prioritize your spiritual development. You've got to say, God, I want to be in your house when you're moving. I want to be serving. I want to be going. You've got to say, you know what? Maybe there's a retreat I need to go on this year. Maybe there's a conference I need to be a part of. Maybe growth track. I should actually do it. And get some self-discovery going on in my life. You've got to prioritize your spiritual development. You say, is that biblical? Absolutely. Read what the Apostle Peter said. With all diligence, make every effort to add to your faith. You've got to prioritize it. And in an hour where regular church attendance is once or twice a month, I am not Sure, that's prioritizing God where he belongs. Not in this hour. Not when everything seems to be falling apart on our watch, the church. Not America, the church. We need a church full of people living by vision. And this is how we become it. We stand our watch. We set ourselves apart. We look to see what he says. And then we align our heart with whatever he says. I challenge you. Do this process. I don't know, it may take you a week, it may take you a month. Write it down, what he says. No matter how outlandish it is, write it down. And then start making goals. And then a year from now, you'll be in a place you've always desired to be. In the center of God's plan for your life for the moment. Let's bow our heads.